Desert passes Cincinnati. Loons and coots were still common along the riverbanks. Botany and bird life became as important to his education as geography and history. But the lasting lesson of his childhood came from the river and was taught to him by his father, a bishop of the Episcopal Church and head of the Diocese of Southern Ohio, when young Jagger was thirteen years old. On February 5, 1884, according to a front-page story in the New York Times, "'There is much anxiety tonight concerning the condition of the Ohio River,' the story continued. "'The Ohio River is full from Pittsburgh to Cairo and is rising from Cincinnati downward.' That night, a levee broke at Cincinnati and half of the city was flooded. Fortunately, the Jagger House was spared, the floodwaters rising to within half a city block of its location. But a quarter million people were homeless. The rain continued. After another week, the Ohio River was at the highest level ever recorded. And then the situation got worse. An ice storm, unlike any known before or since, swept down the Ohio Valley and turned the already swollen river into a raging sea. Waves battered and broke down buildings. The rain changed to sleet, freezing those who were homeless and sleeping outside. Young Jagger watched as his father was stirred to action. Bishop Jagger organized a local relief committee and issued a nationwide plea. The river towns and the diocese are submerged. A great disaster is upon us. We need help for the present and coming need. Please, speak for us. Today, it is all but impossible to realize how unusual, and controversial, such an appeal for humanitarian aid from the entire nation once was. But the United States was then more sectionalized than it is now. Many people felt that communities should provide for themselves, even after disasters. But Bishop Jagger was a new type of clergyman, and he was preaching a new type of doctrine, one that would deeply influence his son, and that came to be known as the social gospel. Born in 1839 in New York City, the future bishop liked to tell people he was the perfect New Yorker, Puritan Long Islander on his father's side, and Dutch New Yorker on his mother's. He often repeated the story that the Jaggers of Long Island were descended from two brothers who had arrived on the Mayflower, a claim that cannot be substantiated because no complete passenger list is known to exist. What is known is that he was a direct descendant of Jeremiah Jagger, a master of trading ships in the West Indies who arrived in New England sometime before 1646. Jeremiah fought in the Pequot Wars and was one of the founders of Stamford, Connecticut. He was the first of a long line of Jaggers, each one successful in business and conservative in lifestyle, until the arrival of the first Thomas Jagger. More impressionable than most young men, the first Thomas Jagger found his inspiration in the speeches of popular clergy, such as Henry Ward Beecher, who railed his audiences against slavery and other evils. That awakened a deep sense of purpose in the young man who, on the eve of the Civil War, gave up a business career and accepted a religious calling. He was ordained a minister in the family's church, the Protestant Episcopal Church. His first assignment was St. George's on Long Island. Here he met Anna Louisa Lawrence, she also of an old New England family. They married in 1863 and started a family immediately. Soon a son, Harris King, was born. He lived five years. Two daughters followed, 
May in 1866, and Anna Louise in 1868. Then another son, Henry Anthony, was born and lived six months. In September 1870, Reverend Jagger was named rector of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Philadelphia. Four months later, on January 24, 1871, after the family had moved to Philadelphia, the last child was born at home, christened Thomas Augustus Jagger, Jr. by his father at Holy Trinity. By then, Reverend Jagger was embroiled in a test of wills within the Episcopal Church. He was regarded as a low churchman, a derisive term that meant he was less concerned with spiritual matters and sacraments and more concerned with the social work the church could perform, the so-called social gospel, and that put him at odds with church officials. Throughout the 19th century, most clergy in the United States were preaching a doctrine of self-reliance and rugged individualism, two ideals that had served the country well.